0: This is where they make
1: their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave and this momentum. Again.
0: Welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. As always, Callum Williams alongside former Minnesota soccer star, Kendra D. St. Orbin. Big show planned for you today. I know usually we have somebody from the opposition, but that wasn't uh, able to be achieved today. So we will later on be hearing from Jacory Hayes, who I think it's safe to say will give us just as good an insight as any to Minnesota's opponents, FC Dallas, this coming weekend. So before we get started, Kendra, um, two and a half weeks, I haven't seen you. How's things? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It seems kind of crazy to have this kind of a break in the middle of the season. And not that we haven't experienced this before when we have the World Cup and we've had other international breaks. But, um, and you know what? Quite honestly, we should be used to this by now after COVID, after the pandemic and the stops and starts and the wonkiness. I feel like this is, it would have felt weirder if we had had a straight season with no breaks.
0: Yeah, it's still weird though, isn't it? It's still straight. I must admit, I, I know. MLS isn't the only league that, that does this, but it is very, very strange. I'm a big proponent of whenever the national team is playing, that country should take a break because all focus has to be on the national team. And I know you know, that the US have, have stopped playing now. They, they qualified through the Nations League and what have you. But it's still bizarre. And, and I think at times MLS does suffer from this because now there's an abundance of exceptional players that are going to miss a handful of MLS games. And surely that can't be what the league wants
1: yeah and you know that's always been the debate at least of more recent years of um getting on the same calendar as other leagues around the world and for the United States, and I shouldn't say that for North America it doesn't necessarily jive with the climate and with everything else, you know, to try to get the calendars different. Um, But we'll see. I mean, who knows? I mean, things are, times are changing, but as more and more quality players are going away on international duty and it's a break for other leagues and not a break for MLS, they might start to change their mind because as they, as the league continues to attract more international players and more national team level players, you're right. You don't want the games and the quality of the games to suffer when you return, there's depth of squad on every roster now, but not when you're missing your top three or four players for every roster. You don't, you don't want that to be the case. You want to have the best team out there, not just for the teams and the clubs in the season, but also for the fan base that pays good money to see these guys.
0: Not a debate. I was intending on having. Today, <laughs> Kay, but You, you, you want brought to talk it about up.
1: relegation too?
0: No, 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 no. I'll save that for another day. Um, You brought this up, so I'm blaming you. Um, International calendar. Where are you on the whole debate of MLS should switch its season up to align with, with Europe and other leagues around the world?
1: I would be a proponent of it but I do think that it's got to be for the right reasons. Um, and I think it would really depend on how MLS would position it, how it would go down with the players, how it would fit with the rest of the things, this league in this country, in North America, I should say, again, you know, tries to do things. Um, if you had your druthers, how would it line up? When would it start? When would it stop? How how would it go? Would it go exactly like the European calendar or, or you know, what what would you see?
0: Um, I'm sort of with you in, in terms of uh, if it was done the right way, I would be a proponent for it. But but I just, <laughs> there's so many things to figure out, Amber. I mean, you, you cannot have a regular season game in Minnesota in late January. You just can't do it. with <laughs> an outdoor stadium, you can't do it. And, and the same could more than likely be said. And I know that, that there are examples of, the opposite, uh, for example, this coming weekend when Minnesota played Dallas, I have no idea what the temperature is, but I'm sure it's going to be unbearable. Um, so there are ways around it, I'm sure. I know the um, the individuals who are figuring out uh, the World Cup in Qatar, because of the obscene humidity there, they are figuring out, I don't have details here with me, but, but from all the reports I've seen, air-conditioned stadiums help. Now that's all good and well, but that costs millions and millions of dollars, and you've got to have investors that want to do that. So, I, I think there's there's an argument there for it, but there would just have to be so much that that would work in favor of Major League Soccer. Um, and I
1: well, and to your point about about playing in late January, I mean, at least when it's hot and humid, the ball still rolls appropriately. Mm. When there's if there's six inches or two feet of snow on the ground and it's a blizzard, as we saw the opening game at TCF Bank Stadium in twenty seventeen, you know, it's not really a proper soccer game. You know, I, I it's not the same. Even football is different. They play in late January outside and in, in cold weather stadiums in New England and other places. But football is different, you know, you're not expecting the ball to roll on the ground. I've played soccer games in the snow in the big 10 and it ends up looking like Saturn with a giant ring around it (laughs) and it stops after three revolutions, you know, so you still, the the quality of the actual game is what's most important and you want to see good soccer. And so that's to me, what would be the the possible hindrance of trying to line up with the other calendars of the other leagues.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And the counter argument to it is people would say, well, you know, you can play Minnesota can play, you know, three or four games down south then, you know, and well, okay, but is that not a competitive advantage then to the teams that play in Texas and Florida and what have you, you know? So um, there's a reason why we aren't in these conversations Um, and there's a reason why we're we're broadcasters because we don't have all the answers. But anyway, uh, look, in in terms of weather, there is no doubt this weekend at FC Dallas, when we are in, in the summer, there's going to be an issue. How how do you as a player, okay, how do you prepare psychologically, but more important, physically? How do you prepare for a game like this? And and say, for example, you're 10, 15 minutes in the game, I'm sure you've been in this situation before, and the heat is burning, it's coming down on you, you're sweating, you're thinking, My energy's all gone, and you look up at the clock and you see there's 12 minutes gone. How do you how do you deal with that?
1: You know, it's interesting that you've said that because this a stretch of heat that we've had in Minnesota is like record-breaking, right? Over 90 degrees, the humidity, some days the heat index is over 100. And even if there wasn't as much humidity, it's still been hot. And Adrian Heath joked earlier this week in his media availability that the weather they've had has been preparing them for Dallas. But we've also seen stretches of heat before, and then the club go down and just not look like they were ready for it. And, and look, it, it's one of those things that's very difficult. It's hard to plan. As a player, I used to think, you know, once you get out there and you're running around, you don't notice it as much until all of a sudden you maybe start making poor decisions. That was always the thing I noticed the first because you literally do start to wilt a little bit in the sense of like the mental sharpness. And, and the physical sharpness of the actual touches, the plays, the decision making on the pitch in, in tight moments, in tight spaces, playing quickly, everything just seems to slow down a little bit. And if you haven't properly hydrated and you haven't properly rested and stayed in air conditioning, you know, I can understand also why teams limit their warmups when they go to Dallas and Houston and Orlando, for exactly, in Austin now. I mean, we saw last night, we're recording this on a Thursday, the women's national team playing in Austin and they had a hydration breaks. It's hot yeah. and humid. So I, I think, you know, you can only do what you can physically ahead of time to prepare. And once you get out there, the thing I struggled with was when you would stop and stand still, you would realize how flaming hot you were and your decision making and your movements off the ball and your sharpness. That's what started to suffer most. And you really have to lock in on the concentration. And to your point, I think we talked about this before. Minnesota's never won there. There's a lot of teams that have probably never won in Dallas, maybe come away with the draw, because it is just a different animal dealing with that kind of heat, no matter how much you train in it.
0: Talking of the Austin situation, did you watch the game last night?
1: I did watch the game last night.
0: What did you think? Because I thought the Mewis sisters in midfield were sensational.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm so happy that you know Christy Mewis is back in the mix. She was out of the fold for what was it like, almost six years or something? You know, to come back in at that level and perform, and that is such a tight group to try to bust into. I mean, they're they're down to the wire now, picking their Olympic squad, and there's only a couple spots open, and you there's not a bad choice in that 30 players that they probably bring into camp every year or every summer. Um, so no, I thought I thought first of all, they should have done better against Nigeria. Uh, but Nigeria is tough. I mean, they are just one of those teams that are gonna scrap and claw. They're physical, They're not afraid to go in on a hard tackle. And I thought um, at times the US maybe looked a little not lax isn't the word, but expecting to be able to do more easily um against Nigeria side that hardy trading together and Randy Waldron is now their coach and hardly had time with him as the coach, not even their first choice goalkeeper with the club, so or with the, the country. So I don't know. I thought it was good. I mean the US, you know, you know, they just they do what they do. <laughs> they, they just win. win. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all they do. Uh, talking of, of winning as well, whilst we're on the subject of, of international football, uh, Robin Lord and, and Ukraine to that obviously got themselves a win in the opening game of, of their tournament of uh, Euro twenty twenty, which uh, obviously and um, that particular match was overshadowed and, and, and quite rightly so by the uh, horrendous events that Christian Eriksen and the Eriksen family had to, to go through. Um, I. I can't believe the game was played just a few hours later. I can't believe the game was resumed rather a few hours later. Um, I think as a, as a Finland player, you, I, I know I certainly would have felt a little uncomfortable with it because there were shots, Kay, when, when we were watching it, there were shots when the game was resuming and the players were warming up. Uh, some of the Danish players that were still crying. That that's something to, to, you can't even think of dealing with something like that.
1: Yeah. And I know that they voted um or it came to a consensus or whatever it was to to resume the game. But I think that the decision should have just been taken out of their hands. I think the tournament, you know, and, and those that have the powers that be should have just said, we are not resuming this game tonight. Um and I understand the intentions, you know, oh let's do this for Christian, let's play for Christian. But the emotions are so raw and you experience something like that firsthand. I have never experienced mm. anything like that firsthand from even just as a, as a spectator or a teammate or anything, but you've heard other stories. This has happened to other athletes in different sports where someone has collapsed and, or even just had a bad injury. You know, we've seen in the NFL and the NHL where a guy goes down and they're stretched off and they're not moving their limbs. And you know, they're probably paralyzed. Like how do you mentally wrap your brain around that and get it together? And I think it was an unfair ask to put it on the players. Um, to to your point though about just Robin and Yuka and um, and Jan as well, and you know seeing Rasmus Schuler in the mix too with Finland, former Minnesota United player. I just I just love that they are representing their country, the excitement about the Euros for them and representing their country was so high going into last summer. Seeing them get to fulfill that dream and that aspect of their careers and their livelihoods and their soccer lives, um, I think is so fun to watch. Seeing them line up next to each other on the right-hand side, Um, Was fun to watch. And I can only imagine, you know, the experience and the confidence and the energy they're going to bring when they come back from that tournament, whatever stage that's in and play again for Minnesota United.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great, isn't it? Um and then finally on, on the international football front, uh Dan Saint Clair was given his Canadian debut against Aruba in a let's say a comfortable win. It was seven-nil for those unaware. Um not entirely sure it was the most testing evening of his career, but nevertheless, he's got his first international cap, the first of many we're assuming.
1: Yeah, and I think even just being in the mix again with the senior team. Um, the training sessions, the environment, the travel, the experience, the pressure, you know, and then I know he didn't play in the matches, but against Haiti and, and the pressure that was on there for the Canadian men's national team and just being around that, I think that's something that's invaluable for Dane St. Clair. And I think, you know, it's a little bit of a tricky spot for him right now because he's not playing with his club currently because Tyler Miller has stepped in and done so well. So we'll see how that goes, you know, as the season continues on I mean, what a what a blessing and a privilege for Adrian Heath and staff to have two quality starting goalkeepers like that. But for Dane, I think what, what a fantastic experience for him. And I don't even know if he faced a shot in that game, but the whole mood of it, the warming up, the, the preparation, the planning, going into a match, knowing you're the starter for the men's national team, getting a cap, all those things are just, you know, invaluable for a young player like Dane.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be really, really intriguing to see his growth over the course of the next six months or so. Uh, okay, let's get back on track, shall we? Sorry I got distracted about international football, as I have done over the last couple of weeks, really, let's be honest. Um a lot of it. Uh, exactly, yes. Uh, as we're recording this, I'm watching the Copper America here to my left as well. So apologies. Is again. that Colombia,
1: um, Venezuela?
0: It is indeed, yes.
1: That's what I have on my TV too. There
0: we go. (laughs) International football as far as the eye can see. I love it. Do you know, actually, I said this the other day on the other podcast that we do. I actually think this time zone and this part of the world is the best place to watch football because you've got it literally all day. Um, With the Euros at games at 8 in the morning, 11 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, uh, going to the group stages, now the Copa America, 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. Uh, and, and sometimes there's been a 6 p.m. game in there as well. It, it, it's sensational. Um, I, I, I love the fact there's so much football on TV in this country. There's more football on TV in North America than anywhere else, I think. And, and it's it's wonderful. It's great for the game.
1: Isn't it like the most frustrating thing now when you can't find a game? Because it rarely happens anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it rarely happens. So there's times where I'm scrambling, like, okay, is it on the CBS? Is it on the ESPN app? Is it on FS1, TUDN? Like, Mm. all these places, NBC, all these places now that you can get football, that you can get soccer. And it's just like, I just go to my remote and I just say, soccer. (laughs) <laughs> Wait for <the> <laughs> Wait for it to pop up and so it is. It's like frustrating when it doesn't show up because it just never happens anymore. So I mean what a what a crazy time and now we're going into the Olympics and then mm-hmm. you know, World Cup. I mean it's just this next Gold Cup as years, well. Oh, Gold Cup, that's right. <laughs> I mean this is so much fun stuff.
0: It's fabulous, isn't and, and MLS, MLS, it.
1: right?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So, so here we go then. Let's get back to it, shall we? Again, that's my fault. I'm sorry. Um, Minnesota on the road to Dallas. Um, again, it's difficult. We've already spoken about the heat. We've spoken about the fact that Minnesota have never won there. Very few people have won at FC Dallas. So, how do they win? How, how do they get a result at FC Dallas? Uh, do you expect? any sort of difference in terms of approach? We're assuming Reynoso may very well be available for like Agapane as well. What should we expect from the approach?
1: You know, it's a tricky one because they are missing such key players um, from international duty. Now, the, the bonus is that the only real player out of those that are missing... Well, I shouldn't say the only. Jan Grigos, clearly, and also Robin Lud, But Yuka could be in and out of the lineup in the back line. Dane hadn't been playing. So really, realistically, it's two players that are out of the mix from a starting standpoint for Adrian Heath. And how much have we talked about the quality of depth heading into this season? And now on top of that, you add Franco Fragapane and Adrian Anu, into the fold and Abula, you know, who's also a number nine. So there's some, some depth there that Minnesota United has gained over the last month or so. Um, so I think that if I, you know, if I'm looking ahead to this match, and I just want to think that at some point you have to win at Dallas. I'm not just saying you as in Minnesota United, I'm saying, Team, this can't go on forever. At some point, you have to go in there with some sort of a swagger and energy. This is a battle for the bottom dwellers. And I only say that because Mm -hmm. that's where they're currently at the standings. That does not mean that I truly believe that these two teams belong anywhere near that spot based on their talent in the roster I do think that both these teams are going to end up well above um, you know or at least in the playoff picture for sure for Minnesota United but Dallas might creep over it so I think that this is a this is a time for Adrian Heath to lean on that depth to lean on that quality of the roster to lean on some of these guys to step up in these times where these international guys are probably going to be gone at least for another week um, depending on how their teams do if not longer and um, I, I think it's important for those new players to they are literally going to be thrown into the fire in Dallas and fortunately they've been thrown into the fire in Minnesota with a 90 degree heat but I am pumped to see Franco Fregopane I think I was bummed that we didn't see him at Real Salt Lake knowing that we were going to have to wait three weeks to see him in action so many exciting things coming you know from the club from the coaching staff and even just you and I being at training of what he's capable of doing his dynamic play on the wing but cutting inside and creating is there anyone better that Emmanuel Reynoso likes to play within a player that is skillful and technical and can cut inside and help him create and advance the attack as we saw with Kevin Molino and Reynoso and the magic they made so I think these are good things this is a positive thing and I think that Minnesota United absolutely could go down to Dallas and get a victory this weekend coming off a couple weeks of rest training in the heat and being ready and fit and capable of it
0: yeah, really, really interested to see what happens. Before we go to break, And remember stick around because after the break we'll be speaking to Ja'Cory Hayes, all about FC Dallas and his career there before joining Minnesota United. Um, I'll give him what I think is going to be the starting 11K and then I'd love to get your thoughts. I'm, and, and this is, bear in mind, we're recording this on Thursday. We haven't seen we sort of glimpse of training, but we, we haven't seen too much. I'm assuming it's going to be Miller and Gold. The back line will be Metanier. Uh, Boxall, Di Dibassi, Gasper uh, I think the two sitting midfielders will be Trapp and Dotson although Dotson will play in his more comfortable role as an eight uh, I think it'll be Hansen on the right, if he's fit Reynoso in the ten with Fragapane on the left and then Unu up front, um, I'm assuming you're, you're similar in thoughts
1: agree with you 100%. And the only question mark would be Renoso and what he's able to do and how Adrian feels about bringing him back. But I think that's a lineup. That's crazy. I mean, think about the lineup that you just said, and that's without the guys that are missing for international duty. And I think that is something that Minnesota United fans have to be really excited about because that is a – Stellar quality lineup to be able to throw out there on the road without your international guys that are gone with their national teams. I think that's something and, and a huge reason to be excited for the second half of this season. Or are, are we even at the half? We're not even close to half. Other <laughs> the last two <laughs> thirds, the last <laughs> two thirds of the season when we come back and and I mean we have a game every you know three days or whatever that is. So um, I agree with you 100. percent I hope Renoso is fit and healthy and ready to go because I want to see him with Adrian Anu, I want to see him with Franco Fragapane and Nico Hansen, to be fair, so much energy that he can bring on the wing and also the ability to cut inside and get to the end line and a little bit more multi-dimensional than maybe what you get from an Ethan Finley on the wing. But again, options, 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 and this is good stuff. This is good things for Adrian Heath and Minnesota United.
0: Looking forward to it. Minnesota United on the road against FC Dallas on Saturday evening. Stay with us next up on the Match Preview podcast. We'll talk to former FC Dallas and now Minnesota United midfielder, Jakori Hayes. Minnesota United fans, download the Great Clips app to keep your hair game ready all year long. Great Clips, it's going to be great. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams alongside former golfer, soccer star, Kendra D. St. Orbin, as always. Minnesota United then back in action, as we said earlier on this weekend, on Saturday evening against FC Dallas. So, we thought the person that perhaps has the most insight to FC Dallas, that's available to us anyway, former FC Dallas and now Minnesota United midfielder, Jakori Hayes joins us. Jakori, welcome to the podcast. How are
2: you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. really appreciate it. So before we dive into dallas and, and what they could potentially um pose against Minnesota this coming weekend, let's talk about the season so far from a Minnesota point of view at uh, two four and one. What have you seen so far?
2: Uh, I mean, it's not the greatest of starts from us in terms of the season, um, but you know the last three games, I think we've shown well and gotten results. And, you know, we've had a couple of weeks off in terms of games, but we've been training hard and, um, you know, we're about to run into a thick spell of games this summer. Um, so getting getting guys back and, you know, there's some guys away with international duty, but, you know, once they come back, we'll have full strength squad in terms of everyone's available. Um, but, you know, I think we're a team that's on the up and I'm looking forward to the next couple of games coming up.
1: Ja'Cory, I remember when you came into Minnesota United and Adrian Heath just absolutely raving about your professionalism, your willingness to work, always be ready, stepping up at every opportunity given to you. This season, only the three games that you've played in thus far in 70 minutes, but always ready when you step on the pitch. What can you say that's like from you, you know, for you from a mentality standpoint to always kind of have that mentality and that attitude, bringing it to Minnesota United?
2: yeah it's something that I've had you know growing up my whole life even through youth soccer was just training hard and being ready for you know anything that could happen. Um, it's nice that it's serving me well in the, in the professional ranks but um, yeah you don't know when you'll get your opportunity to play or um, when you'll be called upon so you just have to always be ready that was the the biggest advice that I've gotten uh, when I first got into the league was always train ready train hard and uh, just be ready to maximize your opportunity so um that's what I kind of live by and, and, you know, try to, you know, just be ready whenever.
0: Well, that's exactly what you did. You maximized the opportunity when you were drafted by FC Dallas back in 2017. Jacory, take me back a few years. Let's talk about your time um, at FC Dallas, shall we? Of course, it was three seasons before the trade was made uh, to Minnesota United. Um, obviously, Dallas have a reputation. I believe it's, what, 32 homegrown players. Uh, they lead the league in terms of developing their own. So when someone like yourself a young player is drafted by them surely you're thinking at that stage there's no better place to be
2: yeah it's difficult um yeah when you when you go there like all right perfect they love uh young players um but is is one of those you, you weren't necessarily like a homegrown yourself um so it was like a a weird vibe like i was a young guy but wasn't necessarily one of their own um but you know it was I loved my time down there Uh, at Dallas. I had two different coaches while I was down there and each of them I learned a lot from and I grew as a player on and off the field uh, while I was down there. So I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything.
1: What do you see as the benefits of playing the play the kids? You know, that's like the mantra these days. It seems like play the kids with all these academies and these homegrowns and these youth development programs that are popping up all over the country. Um, what, what do you see as the benefit of having those youngsters even training with you guys, with the senior team, and, in the hopes that they'll get some minutes? What does that do for them and, and for you guys?
2: Uh, you know, the young ones, or young kids, it's hard to say that, but... Uh, you're only
1: 25, yeah, so yeah, it's exactly. not like you're old.
2: I'm not trying to date myself, but, uh, you know, they definitely bring, like, a new energy um, when you're around them. Like, in the locker room, just, like, just joking around, just having so much fun. Um, I just remember like, they're just a, a great energy at training sessions. Um, and you know, they, they grew up with each other in the academy. So they have their little inside jokes that they've had for years. Um, you know, uh, yeah, just, yeah, just, that's all I can. That's the best way to put it is just like a sense of energy that they bring to training sessions. And, you know, for Dallas to have so many homegrowns, you know, come through their ranks, you know, they had the, the picture that they post with all the ones at the national team level. Um, I think I had the opportunity to play with three of those guys and um, you know, they did well and they maximized their opportunities. It's not like uh they were just kind of handed those things as homegrowns. You know, they they truly deserved it and you know they, they were playing not because of their homegrown or they were young. It was like these they were good players. Um so uh they've they've done a lot of good things down there. It's
0: really how the rest of the world does it, Jakori? It seems as though Major League Soccer traditionally, I know things are changing now, but traditionally, they went down the collegiate routes. Is it the right way to go about things now, doing the system and developing your own? Uh,
2: I think each person still has their path. Um, I don't think that um, necessarily every 16-year-old needs to be thrown into starting 11 and just kind of see how they go, sink or swim. Um, you know, for some people, like, Uh, what Jesus was that young, maybe 16, 17, when he got his debut. Um, He's one route, Reggie Cannon went down one route where he did a semester at UCLA and then, and then played. But even after his first year, he didn't play at all. It was not until his second season at Dallas that uh, he got his minutes and his time to play. Um, And then there's other players that, you know, like, like myself who needed four years of college um, and then get into the into the professional ranks um and you know so it it, there's a wide range of you know paths that players have to have to you know overcome in terms of are you ready at 16 17 years old do you need to go through a usl program usl league one um get your reps there or are you the college route um you know i think there's paths for a lot of players um and i think as long as we keep strengthening each one of those avenues, we'll keep getting, you know, the best talent overall. Once, you know, guys are, you know, 21, 22, Um, like the, the, the real talent will come through.
1: How do you feel your role? Like, where do you see your role fitting in with the youngsters, you know, only being 25, but yet you've also, like you just said, did the four years of college, also playing with the homegrowns and the youngsters of FC Dallas. And now having gotten a lot of minutes early in your career, where do you see your role? How does that sort of how do you define it when you're in, in a roster in a team between the youngsters and kind of the veterans?
2: Yeah, I I think that's I'm just smack dab in the middle. Uh, you know, it's uh I am still young, um, still a younger young one, not in terms of like veteran or experience, playing experience. Um, but I I have been around long enough where I'm not not the rookie or the new kid on the block. So um you know, I just put my head down at work. I offer advice, uh, and talk to, you know, the younger guys if they ask me or I tell them, Hey, I saw this, like, what'd you see? Um, and I do the same with the the veteran players on our team, the older guys. So, um, not to say I'm like a bridge between the two, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm able to have conversations with both sets, the older players, as well as the young ones about, you know, what we see even off the field, just like what's going on, like, you know, hanging out, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm just right down in the middle.
0: <laughs> Jacori, 21 of those 32 homegrown players developed by FC Dallas worked under the current head coach, Lucci Gonzalez. You were obviously at Dallas when Lucci Gonzalez took over. What was that transition like? Could could you tell there was a prior relationship and what was that like in the locker room and how did it transition onto the field at that time?
2: Uh, it was definitely, so it was 20, 2019. Uh, Lucci was hired um, from the academy but everyone knew him from the first team because he'd been around watching the training sessions Um, like I think he was head of the academy before that and then coached the academy an an academy team my first year actually Um, so everyone kind of knew who he was um, but you know it was there was a there was always that integration between the first team and the academy team I mean there's times um, there's a handful of academy players always training with us just for squad numbers, you know, just to uh, glorify mannequins, essentially just like moving pieces, um, which is kind of not disrespectful to say, but, you know, it's great experience for them as a kid to come on and be like, yo, I'm playing with at the time, you know, Mara Diaz on the field, you know, Maxi Ruth, there, you know, you're they're, they're playing with some big time players, um, and so there was always that integration between with Oscar Aria and then Lucci between the academy and the first team. Um, and I guess the, it just further solidified that when you bring in a guy that was from your academy coaching staff to the first team. Um, so, you know, still have the academy kids um, when we need extra numbers training with us in the summertime. They had, um, you know, all the alumni from the co- from that were in college. Uh, come back and they were essentially an extra 11 aside team to scrimmage against. Um, so all the, all the Academy kids that are getting signed now or, you know, they signed while we were there. It was uh, one of those, we, we all knew them on the first team and spent some good time training with them. So it was a seamless transition for them to when they were actually signed to the first team.
1: Being in the league since 2017, it seems like even just in the last three and a half, four years now, the league has changed so much, grown so much. And Cal asking about, you know, college players versus academy players and homegrowns, what direction are we going? And now there's such an influx of international talent and money being spent with the roster rules and, and owners just spending a lot of money and building stadiums. How do you see, where do you see this league going and where have you seen it go in just the last four years when you've been a part of it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I just see it continuing to skyrocket really. Um, You know, it's, it's something I talk about with friends. Like uh, you have to get better each year just to kind of keep up with the pace of the league and how they're bringing in new superstars or new young players that are signed that, um, that are incredible talents, you know? So it's uh, for me personally, it's like, I got to step up my game each and every season just to feel like I'm still competitive and you know, able to do what I need to do on the field. Um, but in terms of the league as a whole, I think it's 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 incredible to see. Um, you know, I Minnesota United was the brand new team when I was getting drafted. Um and now it's, you know, a a team to be reckoned with in the Western Conference. And, you know, there's new teams being added next year and then the year after. Um, so it's it is amazing to step back a little bit. And I haven't been in the league terribly too long, but you know, it's it's grown so much since I've been in the league, and it's only going to continue.
0: You mentioned international stars. You're week in week out, Jacori, playing alongside some of them, and some of them right now are at Euro 2020. Obviously, Dane Saint Clair has played his trade on in the Nations uh, League qualifying stages as well um, in the CONCACAF region. Um, How proud are you when you when you watch television and you see Robin Lord, you see Jukka Reitela? and you see young regush playing at the highest level and and what sort of experience do you think they will bring back that perhaps they can relate to some of the younger players
2: it's uh it's very cool you know i cut on the tv and i see you know them playing against you know the world superstars and it kind of closes the gap in terms of how far you think europe is from here um because i mean you're you watch premier league all the time or bundesliga la liga whatever the league is and you see these superstars and then you talk to robin and he's played against them traded jerseys with some of those guys and it's like oh man like i train against robin every day and he just played against those guys like yeah we're doing some good stuff here like we're good players you know and so um you know i hope young players that you know have the chance to go over to europe can you know talk to these guys, you know, almost like measuring take like put yourself against them like all right, I did well against them, like that means I can do well against, you know, the guys in Europe. And um I think the league as a whole should be taking it in like that as well. It's just, you know, we send those guys to Euros and they do well. They're starters for their for their club, for their country and um you know, I don't think we should feel like we're the little brother to um to Europe really. I mean, we can you know, compete with any of them.
0: Uh, do you know what, Corey? Uh, Corey I've, I've done, I've done an abundance of interviews with people over over the years of covering this league, and what you've just said is probably the most intelligent way, uh, and certainly the most articulate way of of saying where MLS is at the moment. Because there, there's still a stigma, for sure, no doubts. But when they come here, we saw Gonzalo um, Iguain say something to the press that was silly the other day, um, but. It it really is closing the gap, isn't it? Uh, and, and I think over the course of the, the last couple of years in particular, it does feel as though um, some of the bigger leagues in Europe, because in my opinion, Major League Soccer is better than a lot of other leagues in Europe, but it does feel as though MLS and some of those bigger leagues are starting to get closer and tighter together. You being the age of 25, you must be incredibly excited to know that maybe in five years' time, who knows where this
2: league is going to be, and you're going to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and, like, I don't want to put, you know, the buggy before the horse. I'm not saying, like, let's put up us against Barcelona right now. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like you said, we are closing the gap. And um, I look at it, I have a little brother right now that's 14 and playing. You know, it's one of those I want him to be in the MLS. And, um, you know, if I'm not able to, maybe I... If the league doesn't get there by the time I'm finished playing, I'm hopefully it's at that level when he needs it to be. Um, so I, I'm just incredibly excited for like what the what the league's growth will be and um, and continue to close the gap. I mean, I I truly think it is closing year by year.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it's really getting there, and uh, really excited um, that we've got you a part of it here. Uh, okay, so let's move on and, and talk about Minnesota United, then, shall we? It's still a bit odd. the The gap was, I think, significant over two and a half weeks. As a player, how do you not only from a physical point of view, but psychologically get through that, knowing you've got a fair bit of training to do before the next game? Uh,
2: it has been difficult not to play against someone else in this span, um, but it's it's we've had you know days off where we've gotten our mind off the of soccer and almost hit a reset button, a little recharge. And then we've had a lot of hard training sessions to try to replicate that game fitness, that game intensity. Um, And that's the, that's the best that you can do is try to truly replicate it. You can't exactly get it perfect. But um, I think we've been training hard. Um, You know, I said it earlier to some guys, but we've been able to like integrate some of the new players in right now without having three days of, you know, three games a week where you're not really training. You only have the game time to know what they actually do. Um, So you get a little little taste of what the new players can bring. And, um, you know, now we get to showcase it on Saturday and uh, fine tune it throughout the summer before, you know, the second, the last stretch of the season.
1: You talked about it in the beginning when we first started chatting about the the slow start that Minnesota United got off to this season, not the start that the club wanted. But then you have two wins and a draw heading into this break. Did it feel like the break came at a good time, or it was a hindrance, or you would have rather kept that momentum going, or as you said, a rest a recharge, almost a second preseason, and getting those new guys kind of integ- integrated integrated into the club.
2: Yeah, I guess there's there's no real. Um I guess you would want to keep the ball rolling in terms of games. Like you said, just like, all right, we're on a, we're on the up. Let's keep, uh, let's keep after this. Um, but I think it does, it, this break did come, you know, how it was supposed to really like we, we got some new faces and um, they're assimilated into the team now. And um, yeah, now we just, we, there's a stretch of games so Now it's, uh, we have to put on the uh, the working boots on and, and get after. we got games like every three days and, Um, If there's no midweek game, it seems like a light week, really, um, in this summer stretch. So, um, yeah, I guess the rest did come at a good time because there's a lot of games coming up for us.
0: Yeah, I would... uh Get ready. It's got to be a very busy period, isn't it? Um, let's talk about some of those new players that have come in, Jokori. Uh, we love it when new players come in. It's always nice when there's fresh blood to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> myself and Kindra obviously get the chance to, to watch training a couple of times a week, but you're there on the field with some of these new players. Let's focus specifically on Franco Fragapane and Adrian Unu. What have you made of them so far?
2: I think they're high-level players. Um, I don't want to give away too, too much. Uh, it's almost like a, a a movie trailer preview. You guys will see on Saturday, but uh, you know I, I think they're good players. We uh, they'll elevate the team, um, help us you know building out the back and, in terms of like connecting players. Um, and you know I'm excited to see what they're what they'll do in the final third against other teams. I've seen what they do against uh, our own our own defenders, our own players, but uh, I'm excited to see what they do in against other MLS teams.
1: When you look again at the league and the quality and the players and the depth and what Minnesota United has brought in just in this first window, how important is that depth going to be? As you talked about, these games are going to come thick and fast. You still have players away for international duty. How important is it to have everybody just stepping up and the quality of that depth?
2: Uh, it's it's, it's massive um, in terms of being able to rotate guys um, for the midweek game or on the weekend, but I think most importantly just – uh, bringing that competitive fight in that fight uh, at training sessions. Um, you know, only 11 guys can start. You know, I've, I've heard that phrase, unfortunately, only 11 guys can start. Um, so it's, you know, there's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made. And, you know, our job as players is just make, you know, coaches' life miserable in terms of like, all right, who do I leave out? You know, I want to put this guy, I want to put this guy, who, who who do I sit out? Um, so I think when you have a, a deep, deep roster like that, it, it just in, encourages uh, intense training sessions and tough decisions for coach. Um, and then ultimately it translates to on the weekend, you know, those are the best 11 guys from the week and they're in the best form. And hopefully that translates to wins on the weekend. So um, the deep roster is, is is massive.
0: Corey, before we start talking about the actual game and actually do our jobs and do a match preview podcast here, um, sorry, we've gotten distracted at talking about football shocker again. Um, how how do you see your trajectory and your career path? Because you mentioned some of the players earlier on that you've played alongside, like Richard Cannon, for example, going off to Portugal, and the way that FC Dallas have done things, selling off uh, Brian Reynolds, and, and obviously Justin Che is now back, but he's been online by buy mention for the last six months. I think Kendra and I and, and the abundance of broadcasters we speak to and, and scouts and coaches and whatnot have all got the same opinion of you is that you could play just about anywhere in the world. What is your goal? What do you want to do over the course of the next five years, let's say?
2: Sure, uh, Five years? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I'm taking it really day by day, season by season. But, you know, my, my goal has been the same for a few seasons is just to be a, a week-in and week-out starter in the MLS. Um, you know hopefully that does translate in a few years to a, a move over to europe but um i'm not necessarily focused too much on that i just want to get better day by day and controlling the things that i can control um and that's how i train and you know keep trying to push to be in the starting lineups and then once uh once that happens you know europe or future you know hopefully national team all those things will take care of themselves but uh, right now, my first goal, that first stepping stone is uh, being a, a consistent starter uh, in this league. And I think that's truly attainable for me. And once that happens, it's uh, then I'll, I'll focus on the next step up that ladder.
1: I just have to ask you one more non-Minnesota United FC Dallas. Did you watch the USA-Mexico game? And if so, as you mentioned, the national team. I mean, what what does that do for a player of your caliber watching something like that? How fired up were you watching it?
2: Uh, I watched the first half and then it got close to my bedtime. So I I made a business decision. I I said, (laughs) I got to be ready for work in the morning. I can't, can't be messing around with these guys, but uh, it was very cool to, you know, I saw, you know, Kellen Acosta, who was, you know, my, my good friend and roommate when I was in Dallas. Um, I was so happy for him and how he played Um, waking up in the morning, seeing that they, they won the game. I was, you know, a bit shocked, to be honest. Um, I had to go back and watch the highlights to see, you know, what, well, what did I miss? I, maybe I should have stayed up. Um, but uh, I, was, I was honestly just really happy to see uh, good friends win, win that game and, you know, happy for their careers and, you know, the, the level that they're playing at. And um, that's the biggest thing. When I watch these national team games, I'm just ha- so happy to see, like, my friends doing well. Again, we
0: mentioned it earlier, didn't we? Gaps closing. It's really, really coming for US soccer, in my opinion. Um, Okay, so what about this weekend then, Jacory? Big game against FC Dallas. I say big game, I know it's early, but given the positioning of the two teams, not to go stereotypical and cliche, but, you know, let's use the phrase basement battle and all that just, you know, just for for fun. Um, It it is a a big game. It, It does have certain significance to it. Minnesota have never won in Dallas. You were a part of teams that beat Minnesota before at Toyota Stadium. Why is it so difficult to win in
2: Dallas? Uh, I mean, we, we have to address the the climate, the heat that's down there in the summertime. Um, you know, I was telling guys when, when I was in Dallas, teams routinely would bring their their second team, their backup players and, you know, I think I remember one year Toronto didn't bring this. I don't think they brought Giovinco. I don't think they started Bradley. They, you know, they their DP guys just didn't even travel. So it was just like, you know, here you go, almost like, here you guys go. Here are the points, Dallas. Um, but I think, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, the, the weather here the past two weeks has truly replicated Dallas. And, you know, I think um, we're, we've become acclimated to the heat. Um, you know, unfortunate for people that, you know, don't really want that here, but for us in terms of preparing for an FC Dallas game in, in, in Dallas, uh, it it couldn't have come at a better time. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that hopefully that negates things and it's truly a level playing field, but, um, especially when I was at Dallas, that was what we looked forward to in the summer times was just the extreme heat, knowing teams that they wouldn't be used to it of uh, coming in from wherever you're, you're flying in from. As soon as you step off the plane, the, the heat smacks you in the face, and um, I already know teams go in there thinking, oh, like we're playing, oh, like let's not even warm up a long time, you know. So hopefully, you know, we've been fortunate with this weather in terms of uh, that's probably been the best scouting report for us has been the, the high temperatures so far.
1: Honestly, I don't know if we've ever been there and not had a weather delay of, like, a couple hours with the thunderstorm, which I feel like you guys are also accustomed to. You played under Oscar Perea and Lucci Gonzalez. How are they different, and what can we expect to see from a Lucci Gonzalez? Just your time spent with him, and then also just, obviously, you guys have been scouting Dallas and watching tape, and you've already faced him once this season.
2: Yeah, with the the Lucci coach side, it's uh, definitely, they're building out of the back no matter what. So, you know, well, no matter how much pressure you put under them, they're going to continue to build out of the back. So that's going to be something that, you know, they'll try to play out of anything, which can be the detriment of them. And I think we've, in the past, we've scored goals on just bad turnovers from them in the back. And then you're quickly going against, you know, their two center backs and in on goal. Um, So it, it looks nice when it works out, but you know it's, it's tough when you're turning over the ball. So hopefully we can make them play faster than they want to and we can you know, get turnovers and easy looks at goals uh, at the goal.
0: Okay. Well, Jacory, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Before we let you go, one final question for you. What is a good season for Minnesota United and what is a good season for Jakori Hayes?
2: A good season for Minnesota United is you know, making the playoffs and then winning the Western Conference. I think we were a step away last year, you know, really 15 minutes away, um, you know, and that's a a hurdle that we want to get over is winning a trophy and, um, you know, going on to the MLS Cup final and, and winning another trophy there, maybe doing a double. But um, I think a, a big goal for all of us in the locker room is winning a trophy. It's a special feeling. Uh, I've never done it at the professional level. So, um, you know, I'm just see, saying or seeing what other people say. It's a, it's a magical feeling. So um, that's what we're all working hard for is, you know, bring bring some civil wear home. And then for me personally, yeah, we'll see, you will see. You know, I'm pushing to be in the starting lineup, contribute as much as I can for this team. Um, you know, I, I feel like if if I contribute as, as well as I think I can and, and we're winning games and we win a trophy I count that as a successful season for myself as well so um I think the two go hand in hand
0: our thanks to Minnesota United midfielder Ja'Cory Hayes Kendra D St. Alban, as always and of course to you at home for listening thanks very much for your company we'll see you Saturday when Minnesota United take on FC Ducks.